Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These experiences teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to It's Your Life with James Cooley. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and i tell you why. We got a very important topic that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, COVID-19 education and insights. And I tell you, uh, as you know, when you watch TV, just like uh, all of us uh, and our country and the world is having a major, major problem in trying to get uh, COVID under control. And uh, and I think that we must educate ourselves as much as possible so we can stay in the know. And so uh, today we got two fantastic guests that's going to uh, uh, help us navigate through that. Uh, We got Mr. Steve Blanks. How are you doing, sir? Very good. And we got Dr. Uh, Brady Allen. How you doing, sir? I'm good, James. And I got my co-host here, Chuck Trinoni, who's, I tell you, uh, Chuck is a godsend. Uh, he uh, put this together. And so uh, we, we're going to talk in a minute. And then we got my lovely wife, Michelle, who is our guest contributor. So uh, how you doing, Chuck? Doing great, James. I know you're having a wonderful day in in sunny California. Uh, We are in Dallas right now. And it's, you know what, believe it or not, it's it's, it's a beautiful day here. It's about 70 70 degrees out there. So, uh, and I know the the great doctor is uh, in Florida. (laughs) 50 and windy, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. For for those of you that do not know uh, who uh, Chuck Trinoni is, uh, he is a a consultant, a professional consultant with proven results in planning, managing, and raising over $230 million for nonprofit organizations. But he's a great man that's always out to lend a helping hand to try to uh, help uh, these nonprofits and other businesses uh, stay afloat. So, uh, Chuck, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure. Uh, what you've been doing? What, what you just got back to um, Dallas recently, didn't you? Yeah, just got back from um, back from California, back to yeah. Dallas, and uh, you know, I tell you, it's uh, it's good to be home. Uh, I will be back in California probably in about another week or so. Uh, uh, we 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 planning that right now, you know. Okay. So, uh, but uh, we're in Dallas, and uh, you know, Chuck, why, why don't you tell uh, them uh, the purpose of the show today? All right. Well, it's a as you, as you said, we're talking about COVID-19 education and insights. And really, the focus is to educate, inform, and teach um, about COVID-19. We, wanna, we all know that there's a current um, – the world is being affected by this all, uh, all around the globe. So we want to hear from both of our uh, panelists today about the most recent CDC guidelines – uh, how we can ensure and protect ourselves during this virus, some current treatments and vaccines that are available today, and uh, just the pros and cons of treatments and getting vaccinated. So these guys, um, I had the privilege of hearing Steve talk about this last week, and Dr. Allen has been on the forefront of dealing with pandemics um, in the past, and, and so it's a pleasure to have both of them on to help us with this information. 
Wow. You know, just uh, like always, I, I give my insights. Uh, the, corona, the coronavirus disease, COVID-19, is caused by a new coronavirus first identified in Wuhan, uh, China in 2019, December 2019. Because it is a new virus, scientists are learning more and more about this, this disease every day. Although most people with COVID-19 have mild symptoms, COVID-19 has also been very, very severe and deadly. And um, just like I mentioned that we are having a problem trying to get this under control and talking about the whole world. Uh, but it's more, more prevalent uh, in older adults uh, right now, especially with uh, underlying conditions. And so today, I'm offering my insight on it. I used uh, COVID-19 the acronyms, and I'm going to tell you what I, what I mean by that. Uh, the C, the C stands for choices because we all have choices. Uh, choices meaning that there are a few, yet some are, are many choices, but we all must address. And one of the things that we've got to address is how to protect ourselves from catching it. Uh, second, how do I identify the symptoms of myself and others that might have been contagious? Uh, the types of tests that are out there that's available. Uh, and, and these two gentlemen, uh, I guess, is going to uh, talk us and walk us through all of those things. Uh, the O stands for ownership. We have to own up to uh, knowing that we have to wear masks, we have to uh, social distance, we have to do all of these things to, to try to prevent that. Uh, vital facts, uh, we're going to learn a lot about that today. That's what the V stands for. Informative knowledge. That's why we got two experts on on the show today to uh, help us know a little bit more about other than just what we see on TV and differences. What I mean by this is, is it's unknown today how many different variants are, are out there. Um, I just heard uh, recently you all as well that they got an, another variant, a South African variant of this disease and the and the European variants of this. So uh, we all are learning. And today's, today, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So we got two great guests, and I want to get this thing started. Michelle, can you inter- introduce our first guest, please? Yes, Dr. Brady L. Allen. Dr. Brady Allen retired from the practice in November of 2018. He was a pioneer of HIV medicine in the early 80s, setting the high standards that we still adhere to this very day. Dr. Allen is a nationally recognized expert in the field, has been awarded numerous honors by many of the AIDS service organizations, including a Lifetime Achievement Award presented to him by Dr. Jocelyn Elders in 2007. His contributions to the health and well-being of the LGBTQ community are unsurpassed in the DFW Metroplex, and his example and passion for his work will always be remembered and treasured by all the clinicians at Uptown Physicians Group. It's Your Life welcomes Dr. Brady L. Allen. Welcome to the show, Dr. Allen. How are you doing today? Thank you, Michelle, for that nice introduction. I'm doing great, James. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Allen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a native Texan. I grew up in the Beaumont, Port Arthur area. By the way, I split time between Dallas, Fort Worth and here uh, in Florida. Um, I um, was the middle son, uh, the middle son of four brothers. We lived in a two bedroom house. So 
I had to get up early to study. Um, I was a smart kid. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic family, uh, unfortunately, and I had a very narcissistic but brilliant mother who demanded perfection. So I had a lot of emotional abuse. I, I listened to some of your your story about uh, your growing up and, and some of the trials you went through. But, you know, fortunately, I had a grandmother that showed me tolerance and patience and love unconditionally and um, forgiveness. So I had a role model. And I, to escape the emotional abuse that I had as a kid, I think I just turned to sports and education and having the, the skill set of, of and being very bright, I was able to focus on, I always wanted to be a doctor since I was eight. I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, but once I got educated, I changed my mind to internal medicine. I went uh, to the University of Texas, uh, uh, graduated with a summa cum laude in biology, then went to Southwestern Medical School right there in good old big Dallas, and then did my internship and residency internal medicine at Yale. And I chose medicine, internal medicine, because it suited my skill set. I like dealing with old people, chronic diseases, and doctor-patient relationships, and internal medicine provided that in a nutshell. So I'm glad to be here. That's wow. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, um, we heard from the introduction that you were a pioneer uh, with HIV, with the HIV pandemic. And uh, what what lessons and parallels did you learn from that pandemic that might apply now to COVID-19? Um, well, Chuck, that's a great question. I think there are really a lot of parallels. You, can you believe that HIV has been around for 40 years now? Uh, it's just amazing. So we uh, fortunately had a lot of funding uh, for HIV through President, believe it or not, pre- even President Bush started the emergency program for AIDS relief, which funneled a lot of money into HIV care in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So we've had a lot of work on both vaccines and testing and different therapies. Um, and I'm sure Steve can address some of this, but PCR testing like we use today with coronavirus was actually developed in the area of the HIV epidemic. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the genomic sequencing that we've done to detect HIV resistance or that are now showing up as coronavirus variants was done with all the work in the HIV field. All the vaccine platforms that are being developed, messenger RNA vaccines, uh, DNA vaccines, adenovirus vaccines, particle vaccines that are now licensed for coronavirus were actually developed a lot through the AIDS Vaccine Initiative, a global enterprise that has allowed these platforms to be developed that allowed us to make a vaccine in six months or 10 months rather than 10 years. So, um, and finally, I think... We learned, because of all the death and dying for 20 years of the AIDS pandemic, how to take care of ourselves as physicians through therapy, through exercise, through nutrition. Um, so there were a lot of parallels that I think have, would work well in the area of coronavirus that we learned from HIV itself. Wow. You know what? Um, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue our, our discussion with Dr. Brady Allen. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. 
Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley, available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. Wow, I tell you, um, just like I, as I mentioned, this is a very, very um, tough topic, uh, especially what's going on in society today. Uh, Dr. Allen, in, in, your, in your opinion, how has the United States been so severely crippled uh, by this coronavirus? And uh, I think we got uh, over 26 um, million people been infected and over 440,000 deaths. Yes. Yeah, James, that's uh, just uh, tragic, I think. You know, here we are, uh, a country that has all this immense resources, scientific expertise, biomedical uh, brilliance, and yet we have this uh, terrible pandemic that's far worse than uh, the rest of the world. We account for... 25, we only have 4% of the world's population, but 25% of the, in H, of the coronavirus infections and 25% of the deaths. So what happened? Um, you know, I think there's been a lack of leadership at the top, clearly. No consistent messaging from people like the President of the United States, the Department of Health and Human Services. That was critical. We faltered very early. You said it was first described in December of 2019. It first got to the U.S. in January of 2020, but we didn't hear much about it until late February. Um, the WHO was even remiss in not re- calling it a pandemic until there were already 10,000 infections worldwide already going on. So the cat was out of the bag before we knew what was happening. And then this whole idea of asymptomatic transmission of the virus, which we can talk about later, where you don't have to have symptoms to have it, just sort of of complicated. And then, as as I'm sure Steve will mention, what happened with testing in the United States was horrible. The CDC had a test that didn't work very well to start out with. We had not not much PPE or not much testing going on to compare to some of our Asian nations that have done so much better. 
Um, so the, the Chinese didn't tell us about the virus in time. They, they waited a month or so before we knew about it. So I think um, we had a lot of reasons uh, that Trump, when he was informed by our National Intelligence Service early in January, just sort of, oh, it's going to go away. As we all heard, it's, it's, it's not going to be around. We're only going to have a few cases. And yet we already had thousands of cases. So we had to move to mitigation instead of containment. Instead of doing contact tracing and isolating infected individuals, we had so many people already infected that we had to go to mask and social distancing and hand washing and what's called mitigation, which is much harder to stop the spread of coronavirus with mitigation rather than containment. So here we are. Uh, with so many cases and so many deaths and continuing to be just a tragic problem for the United States. Can you just, as, as an internal uh, medicine specialist, can you describe what the common symptoms are of COVID-19? Yeah, so that's really interesting. I look at it as three things. One, 50% of people have no symptoms. They are asymptomatic. That's what's Difficult. So you're walking around without a fever, without anything, but you can transmit. You're coughing out and spewing out the virus from your nasal passages and your and your mouth. So that's how everyone is is catching it. If you are so a significant number of people get an acute infection where they become symptomatic about five days after they get exposed. It can take up to 10 days. It's like the common flu, fever, usually cough, dry cough body aches, shortness of breath, sore throat, occasional nasal discharge. So very much like very severe fatigue. Some people feel super fatigued. Then you can occasionally, this unique sense of loss of taste or smell acutely, where your smell or taste go away has been kind of a unique presentation of symptomatic COVID-19. And then there are GI symptoms, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea occasionally. Some people have central nervous system pathology where they just have fuzzy thought processes and can't think clearly. Uh, And so those symptoms last about 10 days to two weeks, and most people get over it. But as we all know, if you have comorbid conditions or you're over the age of 65, those symptoms progress to more severe symptoms, to pneumonia, to respiratory failure, to blood clotting disorders, to the virus invades your heart and can cause heart problems. It invades your central nervous system. It can cause a brain dysfunction. So, um, And finally, what's even more disturbing is that once people get over COVID-19, there are a significant number of people now called long haulers that are having these terrible symptoms of chronic fatigue, fuzzy thinking, can't get out of bed, totally disabled. We don't know what's caused that. It's not persistent viral infection. It's the results of COVID-19. Maybe it's a chronic inflammation. We don't really know, but it is disabling a large number of people, and we've got a big job to figure out how we're going to help them. Going forward, then, what therapies can have proven to be effective and what are you looking forward to continue to help people who who have it? Well, remember that coronavirus is a virus. We the only drug that is an antiviral that has been shown to be slightly effective uh, is a drug called remdesivir. Five days of IV therapy for people in the hospital. The other thing that has proven to be effective is an old steroid called dexamethasone, which we all know about steroids. It suppresses the immune reaction. You know, COVID causes a hyperimmune inflammatory response, and we think that uh, dexamethasone suppresses that. So those are the two 
uh, known therapies. Of course, a lot of people need oxygen. A lot of people lay on their stomachs in a prone position to get a better oxygen level. Um, now, there is an emergency use authorization for a monoclonal antibody for people that are at risk of progressing to severe disease but aren't yet in the hospital. That is not well used yet, but certainly something you should consider if you're symptomatic but you don't need hospitalization. So those are the, uh, and we need new, more potent antivirals that will directly act against the coronavirus, and I'm, I'm sure we will develop those in the next few months to years. That's great information. You know, um, say a person uh, contacted COVID and uh, they recovered, can they catch it again? That's a very good question. It's, it's highly controversial, but there are now over two dozen confirmed cases of getting reinfected with COVID-19. There are over 200 suspected cases of reinfection. And as you mentioned, James, these new variants, especially the South African variant in a recent Novavax vaccine trial, some of those patients had become reinfected with the South African variant. So I think the jury is still out. Yes, you can become reinfected. And I think this has major implications for um, can you get resistant to the vaccines? If you are reinfected, can you transmit that infection to others? Yes, I'm sure you can. Uh, are you going to get as sick? Does re- is your immune system primed to battle this new infection? And will you go on to hospitalization and death? Or will you just have a mild cold? Um, so I think we have a lot of unanswered questions. But reinfection is a huge issue that we are very concerned about. What is uh, the effect on COVID in the minority communities? Oh, that's been devastating. As you know, um, minorities are disproportionately affected. Our black and brown populations are at, uh, the numbers that I have from the CDC are that hospitalizations are 3.7 to 4. Uh, 3.7% higher in African-Americans and deaths are 4.1% higher compared to whites. And if you look at Hispanics, the death rate um, is um, about two. Uh, I'm sorry, I got that a little confused. The death rates in blacks and Hispanics are 2.8 times higher than whites, and the hospitalization rates are about three to four times higher. Mm-hmm. And so that just sort of, I want to read a quote that I thought made so much sense about why has this happened. What we know about pandemics and epidemics is that often the most vulnerable in our society, experience the worst health outcomes in relation to the disease. COVID-19 just laid bare the vulnerabilities we know that black and brown communities already have in our healthcare system. And I'm sure what this epidemic did just exposed the gross inequities and health disparities among our black and brown communities that we have to address, whether it's Uh, food insecurity, whether it's housing insecurity, whether it's multi-generational families that have to live together, whether it's economic insecurity and these people can't afford to stay home from work. Many of the black and Hispanic populations are in the essential services, grocery store clerks, uh, bus drivers. Uh, They may not be able to stay home and protect themselves. So uh, there's a lack of health insurance among these communities. That's just terrible. The distrust of the black community in the American medical system because of Tuskegee and other sterilization procedures that were done with people not knowing they were being sterilized. So, you know, we, we have a lot of, a lot of things that were there 
these these inequities in the system that need to be addressed in COVID just made them magnified. Wow. You know, um, that is, that is tough. And I I think that education, uh, especially encouraging um, all people to get the uh, vaccine, but uh, especially in the uh, black and brown communities that uh, when your, your number come up, you should probably go out there and, and get vaccinated, and that will probably help um, prevent the spread of this uh, a little bit more. But I tell you what, we're going to take a station break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to our next guest, uh, Stephen Blank. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And while I tell you, well, we're getting educated out there, but we need this education. Uh, so uh, uh, we're going to bring the doctor back in the last segment. Uh, but uh, right now, I want to bring our next guest on. Michelle, could you tell, uh, introduce our next guest, please? Yes, Steve Blanc. Steve Blanc is a senior level healthcare sales executive with an accomplished record of success in commercializing innovative medical devices and services. He has a proven track record producing revenue streams and operational enhancements in multiple sales, marketing, and general management roles, both domestic and international. Through his 33-year career at Beckman Coulter, he held multiple positions in customer operations, leading the commercial sales team. Over the last 12 years, he served as Vice President and General Manager, North American Life Sciences, Worldwide Operations, and the U.S. Diagnostic Customer Operations. He demonstrated a motivational and positive style to develop accountable, high-performing individuals and teams. Today, Steve consults and serves as a trusted advisor to several companies as a strategic and tactical specialist in leading sales teams and driving company growth. He has demonstrated passion to help small companies, public and nonprofit institutions reach beyond the space of simple, enduring, and accomplishes this on a solid foundation of trust and successful outcomes. Steve was also a certified facilitator with CEB to teach the Challenger sales methodology and has done so to several Fortune 100 companies. 
Among his current projects, he's a team lead in the RADX Tech NIH program working to bring innovative COVID testing technologies and companies to market to address the pandemic. In addition to his professional accomplishments, Steve is a big brother and is on the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters in Orange County and the Inland Empire, is a success coach for working wardrobes and an ambassador for the Second Harvest Food Bank in Orange County. It's Your Life presents Steve Blanc. Welcome to the show, Steve. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Hey, Steve, can you tell us a little bit, bit about you? I know Michelle just uh, uh, she, she put it out, but uh, it's, it's more. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the introduction, of course. And, and I guess I would say that, you know, I enjoy being professionally active. I enjoy helping people succeed. Uh, and, and have really found my involvement most recently in this Radix program within NIH, one of the more rewarding things I've been involved in in my life. So, uh, you know, I've uh, been in California for almost over 25 years. I have a, a sister in, uh, in Texas. I actually lived in Texas for a long time. And uh, my son and his wife and two grandkids live in New York City. And so I, uh, I consider myself quite fortunate. Can you tell us about this uh, RADx program? I mean, I'm curious. Yeah, so the RADx program was formed as a as an adjunct to an NIH initiative to uh, uh, bring uh, testing technologies to the market faster. Uh, it originated in the Congress. Uh, Lamar Alexander was the main sponsor, and our testing strategy in the U.S., as as Dr. Allen mentioned, was 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 ill-equipped. So Radix was designed to look at technologies in the market, figure out if they were, uh, you know, feasible and what it would take to bring them to market. So there's lots of aspects to bringing testing technologies to the market, right? There's manufacturing and there's capacity. Uh, does it work? There's quality and uh, management systems. There's regulatory issues. So we could kind of bring resources together to bring the best of the best to market as quickly as possible to address the pandemic. It's a, a collection of uh, business professionals, scientists, really top-notch people pulling together and using resources within NIH to address the pandemic. And Steve, just tell people what the name R-A-D-X is, stands for. Um, so it stands for Rapid Accelerated Diagnostics. Uh, Thanks. Good. What, what are some of the reasons then, so you guys are being engaged in this, what's some of the reasons um, that everyone's been, the COVID-19 testing, why has it been such a challenge as Dr. Allen brought up and as you alluded to also? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, uh, of course, Dr. Allen's points are, are, are right on, on, on the mark. I think the other factor, too, is we have never experienced uh, this kind of uh, a contagious, uh, asymptomatic, uh, unclear, evolving new disease state that's affecting the entire planet, essentially. So infectious disease uh, and, and is, is not something that's a surprise to many people, and I think we were unprepared for it. And we, we also tried to manage it within the 
current medical systems. So we, we try to, you know, you go to the doctor, you're not feeling well, they do a diagnostic test, they tell you what you should take or what you should do. That is not the way to address this pandemic. Uh, so there's really two aspects. There's a public health aspect. How do we stop the uh, the uh, the spread? And then there's the individual diagnosis for a person who's experiencing severe symptoms. And I, I think we were just ill-prepared for this kind of a pandemic. And so, therefore, it has been very, very difficult. And then layer on top of that, uh, evolving uh, technology. So some technologies that have existed for years uh, haven't been applied correctly and are now being applied in a way that allows us to get a handle on the disease. So we hear about the vaccine acceleration. We hear about new testing technologies or PCR. These things have been around for 25, 30 years, if not longer. The virus keeps changing, which makes it more difficult. So we're learning about it as we go. Uh, so it's, it's a very challenging environment. And uh, I think that's, that's raised the, uh, the problems. Why, why do some of the, all the, the choices and the options that we and people have seem so complicated? Yeah, I, I, I think it is, has a lot to do with the virus is changing. So we hear about variants, and as the virus changes, that has downstream effects on therapies, vaccines, testing. Uh, we, we, we've had to, you know, it, it's one thing, you think about testing, right? We go to the doctor, we, 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 they order a test, and then we get the results and we, and we do some prognosis. Or think about a vaccine, you know, a vaccine for children or a vaccine for a pneumonia vaccine or or. But we're trying to do everything at one time. We're trying to test everyone now. We're trying to give vaccines to everybody immediately. It's not, you know, 100 million people. It's barely 300 million people. It's 6 billion people. You know, it's just beyond the capacity of our system as it exists to do that. And so we're struggling, and there's confusion and difficulty in the execution because it's, 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 it's something that we've never faced before. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, that's good. So um, just some of the basics, like what tests are available when, and when are they appropriate? Well, uh, there's a number of tests available. So we hear about a PCR test or a molecular test. This is considered to be the gold standard. So this is the test that, sees if you're carrying the DNA from the virus or really RNA from the virus. Uh, the problem with it, it's two to four days, and it's good at that moment. So if you go for a test and they check it through PCR on Tuesday, let's say today, and you get the answer back on Thursday, what you did between Tuesday and Thursday is you may have infected five or six or ten other people. And from a public health standpoint, it's, it's very difficult to control the spread with that kind of a test time. Then there's antigen tests we hear about. These are proteins. These are rapid tests we hear about these. The, the challenge with these is they're, they're not as accurate as the PCR test, but they give you an answer more quickly. And um, 
So, and then there's an antibody test that just tells you if you have the antibody. So if you had been exposed, it would tell you if you were exposed to it. And, mm-hmm. and one, one aspect of this disease, and really all diseases, is, you know, there's a certain ramp. So there's a certain point when you get the disease that uh, no test is going to pick it up. So if you call and you say you've been exposed, a physician uh, appropriately might tell you to wait a few days and then take the test, but isolate. Uh, and, and I would point out, of course, that you should always contact your physician if you have any questions regarding what you've experienced or what you are experiencing. But because there's different tests that are better at different times, and then there's this whole discussion about if you could take rapid tests that are cheap and, and, and you know, reasonably accurate, you can catch the disease earlier, and then you can act on that. So uh, to isolate and, and, and remove yourself from infecting others. So there's a, you know, there's a whole lot of conversations going on about which test is best. So you should always call your physician. Uh, and, and but, you know, my, my counsel would be if you feel like you've been exposed, you should isolate. And, and, and in two to four days, maybe take a test and uh, isolate until you hear the results of that test. But call your doctor. Wow. You know, uh, you mentioned something about uh, antibiotics uh, tests. Um, so if a person feel that um, they might have been affected a long time ago, but wasn't sure, uh, can you explain just a little bit more about this antibiotic uh, test? Well, the antibody test just measures if you have antibodies that uh, uh, come from your own immune system and your exposure to the virus. Um, we're not sure yet how long they last. You know, you hear two to three months, and sometimes you hear a little bit longer. Uh, that that may indeed vary. That's another learning that's going on within the uh, scientific community. But the antibodies will tell you if you were exposed. If you have antibodies, you have a fair amount of antibodies. In theory, you should be resistant to the virus, and uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't get a vaccine. The the the, uh, the counsel is you should. And, of course, the variants could affect you, whereas the one you were exposed to maybe a few months back didn't. Wow. So uh, the antibody test just tells you if, if you had it. It, it's, it, it. it doesn't tell you if you're active or if you're contagious. Okay. We're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue to talk about this very important uh, topic. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we are offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity 
of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And and Steve, uh, you were talking about um, antibiotics. Uh, How would a person go about uh, getting an antibiotics test? Uh, so this is one of the challenges that, that the, the, the healthcare system affords us in, in getting after this pandemic in a big way. Uh, you have to get a, a, a doctor's prescription. Uh, there, there are some tests that are available that you can do, but you have to have a healthcare provider involved because it usually involves a prick of blood. And once you start to deal with those kinds of things, you, you, you want to be very cautious that you're not asking people who are not trained as a healthcare professional. So the best thing to do if you feel like you want to get an antibody test is to contact your doctor. And those tests take 15 to 20 minutes and uh, they're, they're readily available. And from a cost standpoint, maybe not from a price standpoint, but from a cost standpoint, they're relatively inexpensive. Steve, with regards to testing, what should people do? if they've been tested and they've experienced symptoms, um, some of the normal symptoms or just aren't sure. Um, what's, what's your advice? So, so the first thing they should do is isolate. If you feel like you've got symptoms or even if you've been exposed, that's, that's the first thing you should do. And then you should call your physician or you should call a healthcare professional, uh, they're going to uh, set you up to take a test, and uh, that's what you should do. So that would be the that would be the the, the the mode of action, if you will. Someone gets tested; they had symptoms. Um, symptoms go away. Um, can they be tested again? Well, they can be. I, I don't know if that's necessary, given okay. the uh, demand and given the the uh, the fact that the CDC recommends that if you isolate after the day you were tested, if you're positive, if you isolate, you know, ten to fourteen days, let's let's put it there, mm-hmm. uh, then then after that period of time, you are considered not to be contagious. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to. Listen to your body, respect your symptoms. If you feel like they're worse, you need to 
call your healthcare professional. You may need to go to the hospital, God forbid. But uh, if your symptoms are decreasing, which, as Dr. Allen said, in 50% of the cases, uh, it's fairly asymptomatic, fairly mild, then uh, you should just stay isolated for a minimum of two weeks after you were tested. Why, why is the price of COVID I mean, all over the place? Uh, I mean, here, there, you know, what's the... This is one of the the challenges of our of our healthcare system is that uh, reimbursements and prices are very often uh, set by uh, Medicare and, 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 and that drives insurance reimbursement. So unfortunately, most of the fast, rapid antigen tests are not reimbursed by insurance because Medicare doesn't pay for them either. So you'll see prices for anywhere from 150 bucks to 250 bucks. Hmm. Uh, these are rapid tests. These are actually better for public health. It's one of the reasons uh, we're in this problem is because we haven't been able to catch it quick enough. The PCR test is typically reimbursed by insurance. It's covered by Medicare. So uh, obviously that means it's free for the most part to people who have insurance. And, uh, the uh, antigen test is typically a cash price. So it really comes down to the way the system operates and the way our reimbursements are carried out. And there's even, uh, in some cases, some tests, the tests were just released this week that doesn't require a physician's prescription or even the involvement of a physician which is a controversial statement because, you know, what do you do with the information? But again, the only way is this public health aspect to reduce uh, the spread. And then there's the individual diagnostic as to what I should do when I'm infected or exposed. Mm. And they are some, they're not the same. Mm. Mm. Prices are all over the map. That's a problem. Uh, I think that, uh, I think Rob Emanuel said many years ago that we shouldn't let a crisis go to waste. So I do think that, unfortunately, this pandemic, a good outcome is it does make us look at the way we treat pandemics and ways we can improve the healthcare system. And I, I, are, th- are there any free um, tests out there or free uh, tests for anybody to get? Well, uh, Many people just interpret a, an insurance reimbursement as a free test because insurance you. pays it. But there are, um, there are of course, uh, public agencies that do provide testing uh, at no charge. Uh, unfortunately, I think many of those are the four or five-hour lines we would see with cars stacked up against Angel Stadium or other stadiums or major centers. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not the best solution from a public health standpoint. Gotcha. You know, I want to bring uh, uh, both of you guys on at the same time. Uh, uh, this first question is for uh, Dr. Allen. Dr. Allen, uh, how long does the COVID-19 virus live on surfaces? You know, a short amount of time, uh, hours to a day or two. Um, but we don't think much transmission has come from hard surfaces compared to aerosolized transmission. So, yes, we encourage disinfecting surfaces and washing our hands frequently. 
but that's not the major method of prevention. Okay. This is uh, for you, Steve. Um, what are the RADx and uh, NIH learning from this pandemic? Well, I think uh, there's a number of things, right? One would be the power of bringing together uh, science, scientists and, and business professionals to, to look at technologies to accelerate them into the market. So I think, you know, the conventional way of doing it wasn't fast enough. And so a lot of public health changes have been made to accelerate technologies in, in almost a warlike effort. Dr. Ellen referred to the vaccines earlier. Those technologies have been around for a long time. Uh, but applying them in the way the vaccine companies did uh, was something that that was brought together through, again, business companies and uh, scientists. And testing is the same way. We're using many technologies that allow us to do testing accurately and faster. And I think the lesson is that, you know, you have to get on a war footing almost and react quickly and, and you can you can marshal resources, but you also have to look at the way the system works and you have to think about how you can make it uh, easier to control from a public health standpoint. Interesting. Well, I'm thinking, you know, Dr. Allen, you know, you have still many colleagues who are doctors and nurses on the front lines of this. How are they staying healthy during all of this because they're treating all these patients? Uh, it's difficult, you know, and I think um, I think it's a neglected. There's much higher incidence of suicide going on in the medical communities. The, the rates of depression and post-traumatic stress disorder are skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have enough health uh, mental health care professionals taking care of us in general, not only doctors, but the general population. Substance abuse is a huge problem among healthcare workers. So we have all the same problems, just it probably accelerated uh, rates compared to the general population, nutrition, exercise, counseling, medications, um, you know, you, all avoiding uh, drugs and alcohol, all the things that we know we should do. But generally, I think you really need maybe some groups to talk to. Um, maybe James can adjust through his foundation, life coaching uh, things that would be helpful to healthcare providers as well. I remember in the AIDS epidemic, we met with a, a therapist two therapists twice a month, a group of 10 of us, to help address burnout issues, our own personal death and dying issues. So I I think this is a hugely neglected problem, and it's it's having devastating effects on healthcare workers. Wow. You know, we're coming down to the end of the show. I always like uh, for for the guests to uh, let the audience know if they needed to talk to you guys, how could they get in touch with you for more information, et cetera. Uh, Let's start with you first, Steve. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm available on LinkedIn, and 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 you know, I invite you to uh, to contact me if if I can help you in any way. I, I do want to end on a, on a really good point, if I can. I'll, I'll sacrifice my moment for self plugging, if you will. People paying more attention to personal hygiene, uh, not going to work when you're sick. You know, be more cognizant of contagious infectious diseases, 
uh, investment of scientific research and diagnostics and therapies and vaccines. I, I think we're going to look at this through different eyes. Uh, the flu incidence, for example, is like zero this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with not, you know, taking better care of yourself and, 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 and washing your hands and being more cognizant and not, uh, you know, going out when you're not feeling well. I think these kinds of things uh, will will be a, a kind of a, a blessing for us from that standpoint in the midst of just a terrible tragedy for the country and the world. Uh, so I'm hopeful that we'll look at the way we do things and be more smart for infectious diseases are a part of our planet and we need to uh, respond more effectively and learn from what we've been through both personally and as a society. And Dr. Alan, how can uh, the audience get in touch with you if they need me? I think the best way would be to go through Uptown Physicians Group in Dallas and leave a message or perhaps just uh, look me up on Facebook and hopefully I'll respond. <laughs> you know, uh, this is a this has been a great discussion and I would love to get you guys back on again because uh, we could talk for two to three hours about this. You know, so uh, uh, just so uh, we will be reaching out to you guys again if 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 uh, you guys are available to come back on the show. I'd like to thank uh, my guests, uh, Steve Blank and Dr. Brady Allen, for taking the time to be on the show. I'd like to thank my, my co-host, uh, Chuck Trinone, uh for always being there. I'd like to thank my beautiful wife, Michelle, for putting this together. Uh, most importantly, I'd like to thank our audience, our listening audience, for, for listening to us. And we are always out uh, looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you. You know, so uh, sponsors, come on, help us out. And we want to keep, we want to stay on the air. We want to continue to bring great messages like this and others. It's your life. I'm James Cooley, and we will be back next week, same time, same station. See you. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. That's CooleyFoundation.org. Join James next week at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been It's Your Life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big.